0: Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name is Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. To that end, I speak to writers, I speak to people in publishing, I create little workshops, I... Have listeners send in their first pages of their novels or short stories, and I give feedback on how I think they could make them even more awesome or perhaps make them suck slightly less. And I sometimes talk about the writing process, what I'm up to, what I think about writing, and just have a little chat. And sometimes I answer questions of the audience, i.e., you. Today's episode is a writing ramble, which means I'm going to just talk about anything that comes to mind a writing ramble is just one of the episodes where I switch the mic on and I talk. I've been, oh yeah, and the other thing I've been doing lately actually is been creating a novel from scratch and talking through my process as I do it and that's still ongoing. I've actually written a little bit of it in the next episode of those. I'm going to talk about it. A lot of listeners, and I'm super, super aware of this, have said, oh Tim, we'd like you to do a bunch more first page critique episodes. I'd love to. I need, Listeners to send them in. I can't do it without submissions, and i, I, I it's a bit feast or famine, to be honest. In that, there was a time a, a few years ago where someone shared the critique that I'd done of their piece on in in the Reddit forums, and I literally I remember looking at my inbox and just seeing it, seeing submissions going ping 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 the didn't make a ping sound but the screen scrolling down as it filled with people submitting their first pages and it took me several years to get through them and at the moment i'm not getting very many uh for, for not very many read none that's fine but if people would like me if you'd like me to do do uh some more first page critiques then either submit your work super polished at a stage where you think this is the level I'd want it to be this is as far as I can take it and it's as close to submission ready as I can make it or at least it's your absolute best work don't send me something that you wrote that morning that you haven't given time to edit yourself because otherwise I'll just be telling you stuff you already know um 250 words if you go on my website timclairepoet.co.uk um there's a contact me button click that just send me 250 words no more uh, in the body of the email with the title of the piece and your name that's all I need no preamble anything like that if you're not ready to submit something you could help me out by sharing on social media in writers forums things like that my call out for submissions as long as people have listened to the show and have some idea of the level and robustness of critique that I'm going to be offering that's fine Obviously, I'm just a person, I hope that my opinion is informed, but it's not the only opinion that counts. There's lots of novels that I do not read, I would not enjoy, that are bestsellers that find a colossal and appreciative audience. So no one person can give some kind of definitive, objective opinion on a piece of writing but I also don't want to not give feedback <laughs> on the basis that oh you know I don't want to seem like I, th- I, I, I think that I'm better than everyone else no like I, I, I know people want critique a lot of the time and I know that most people who get critique understand that it's just one person's opinion and they can correct for that and hear things and go yeah I agree with that and hear other things and go no and I like I tend to be honest I tend to hopefully critique the piece not the writer uh, but it, it's still inflected by the fact that I am me Tim Clare and I have my own Tim clare about me so if people are ready for that and would enjoy that and feel that it would help them then I would super appreciate those submissions if you're not ready and you just feel like I'm don't think I would enjoy that I think it would feel rough or exposing or I'm not in that place that's fine as well I wouldn't ever want to sort of be baiting people into do it going come on what are you afraid of you know I I, and, and also I don't you know as much as I try to be funny when I'm writing them and I try to be very you know not hold back about what I think about the pieces I'm I, I wouldn't ever want it to sound like I'm slagging people off. It's like, I write bad writing all the time. Every time I write, I write bad writing. So it's it's not like I'm attacking people from a position of, hey, I'm a professional and you lowly person are not at my level yet. No, 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 no. I, I would be mortified if you saw my first drafts, which is silly, right? Which is super silly because, I in fact, I think it's one of the things that makes it hard for me to write because I know when I I find it hard to get, into the headspace if I'm writing something that is not going to be usable because I'm finding my way into a piece especially a long book and something your first your my first drafts never they're me feeling my way into the book and they're never used they they it's hard like getting yourself into that space of writing while understanding that what you're writing is wrong and not just in a kind of oh, i'll tweak this later like I, I i never really get or i can't remember times when i get like that perfect when the opening just flows out of me sometimes you know like when Tolkien talked about you know he got the first line for the hobbit just came popped into his head and was re- rolling round in his head for years this uh, uh what is it it's you know something about a. Uh, i can't believe that i don't have it here up to hand but uh, you know once there was a hole it and there it was a hobbit hole or in that hole there was a hobbit I can't remember sorry if you're screaming at the um at, at the uh, your earphones now because you know but um I, I've never had like just a voice come to me people talk to me writers talk to me about that about they, they had this voice and they were compelled to write and it just flowed out of them I, I I don't get that at the moment or maybe I will one day maybe I need to do some more creative writing exercises where we play around with voice a bit more because sometimes things get sparked by that but um it just I I I just start slow I go on slow and then I finish super slow and then I have to cut loads out I'm a very inefficient writer and that's just the way I work and that's the way I am I'm at the end of one project and facing the beginning of another at the moment I've been sort of doing the finishing touches on a book for a few weeks now I had a it's a non-fiction book hopefully I'm going to be announcing it in the next couple of months officially on social media and putting the word out but it's now in a form where it's going to be made into proofs and then that will go out to first readers in fact I could talk maybe I could talk a little bit about the process of like what happens in a book because it's not going to be out until at the time of recording we're in April 2021 and it's not due out till. Next year, and not only that, but probably May next year, so a good 12 13 months away, and that's fairly standard for books now, unless they're being rushed out in response to something that's happened. There's generally long lead times from a book being, and I should say that this book was accepted, gosh. 14 months ago so because it's non-fiction I pitched it with just one chapter and a a chapter outline of what the rest of the book was going to be and then I wrote the rest of it but you know and then I've been writing it but yeah so it was it was accepted a long long time ago and um So it's been it's been ongoing for a while and it's weird to put these things down, these these long projects, and now try to face another one. To try and decide what I'm gonna do next. But of course that's not always entirely in my power because you sit down to try and write something and I was talking about this online actually, that I think that there's three three components to a book as a, you know, qua project. And they are you need to find something there's, you know, there's the books that you are capable of writing, You know that you have the talent and the will to write. There's books that you will enjoy writing and there's books that you can sell to a publisher. Or if you're going the indie route that you can find a sufficient audience for that they that you'll make money back on it. And so, yeah, books that you can write, books that you want to write, and books that other people want you to write. And, and the ideal project, and really maybe the only one that's sustainable for you to actually put out, is is one where those three rings of the Venn diagram cross over a book that, you ca- that you ca- you're capable of writing, that you want to write, and that other people will want to read. Now, sometimes maybe you write a book that you're capable of writing and that other people want to read because of money because it's a it's a job sometimes people it's really interesting i think when i hear writers say what you've got to remember is that writing is a job because they never really define job because they surely can't mean they don't they i under because what i don't understand them to mean by that is what you've got to remember is that writing makes you money because there's always like a slightly stern edge to it what you have to remember is writing is a job and the sense is often you have to do it when you don't want to do it you have a responsibility sometimes you have to push through there's like a sternness there's this idea that a job is something not very fun and something that's a bit about you know, it's a bit of a grim duty sometimes that you, have to, that you have to see through there's this idea, this implicit idea that a job is not enjoyable that a job makes you do things contrary to what you'd like to do that a job is unpleasant and, but it's very grown up what you have to remember is that writing is a job Say you know, often writers they say that they're never smiling when they say that. What you got to remember is writing is a job, and they're they're, they're often like they often well, maybe this is just me reading into it, but they have often seemed quite pissed off. It's like I see it like I see it a lot in at writing when writers are asked about being writers, and, uh, and often these are writers who've done reasonably well, and they kind of look a bit stern at the audience. What you got to remember is writing is a job. And, and, and they mean, what you've got to remember is some days... I think what they're getting at is, what you've got to remember is some days you might be writing and it won't be very enjoyable. and But it, but it, it just packs into it so many assumptions about what a job is, what c- capitalism is, this idea that you that a real something that really qualifies it wouldn't be a proper job if you didn't hate it sometimes if it didn't make you feel unhappy if it didn't force you to do things contrary to your will because you need to live you know what a what a terrible set of assumptions that are kind of I, I think secretly packaged in with that what you've got to remember is that writing is a job no it's not like writing isn't a job necessarily you can write just for yourself it's not masturbation, and it's not lesser than. And also, masturbation's fine. <laughs> you know, enjoy, it. knock yourself out. Don't literally knock yourself out. I mean, I suppose that's also erotic asphyxiation. You be careful if you do. But just be safe. But like writing is not a job necessarily, and it doesn't make you a potterer or something less to write. But the, you know, it's like, you can write for yourself, people. Are you can write for yourself. Of course you can write for yourself, but you have to understand the difference between writing for yourself and writing for an audience. And if you're writing for an audience, fuck you. No, like, I want to read books that were written because the author wanted to write them, not because they were, they were just plodding them out because to, to meet the terms of a contract. I've spoken to authors who put books out. I know authors and I'm friends with authors and I know books that people put out because they had a two-book contract or a three-book contract or they had a deadline. I know books that they had to see through because they needed the money. And I know books that people wrote for love as well that they had to write with no sense of who they were going to be for who the audience with a kind of and with a kind of fuck you attitude to the world and i can tell you that the books that they wrote for love because they wanted to because they had to because they cared about them well were just better like you can tell the difference and not only that but in my experience and know there could be a little bit of confirmation bias in here but i think the books that people wanted to write and and some authors have talked about this on the show people that people wanted to write and they wrote for love they didn't write as a job they explicitly wrote thinking well this isn't going to be sustainable as a job those were the ones that did the best those were the ones that found an audience and that were best sellers or that just became cult classics i think people can tell when you write for love and You know, we all need to eat, but the very definition of a hack is someone who does something because it's a job, not for love. Now, you can do something you're not enjoying and it not be hackery, it not be soulless. I would get up in the night when my daughter was a baby and sit with her on my lap because she couldn't go to sleep if she wasn't on mine or my wife's arms or being held by us we couldn't put her down and I'd sit downstairs in the living room with a kind of pillow supporting my arm and my daughter on my arm my baby daughter on my arm and I couldn't go to sleep because she might roll off me so but I couldn't do anything except maybe scroll through my phone with my free arm because I couldn't do anything that created noise I couldn't move about because she'd wake up And I just had to sit on the sofa, just kind of doing nothing while my daughter slept. Now, of course, like I was very aware that I had a lovely baby on my arm and there can be much worse things than that. Um, I was also exhausted because this was often, you know, between 3 and 6 a.m. It wasn't intrinsically the ideal way that I would have chosen to interact with my daughter. Although I was aware, super aware that it was a time that was going to be brief and i'd look back on it and some days i would really miss it but it wasn't intrinsically what i would have chosen to do if you'd asked me at 3 a, would you like to wake up at 3 a.m would you like your daughter to wake up and then you can hold her uh, while she sleeps and you don't oh by the way when she wakes up you'll also need to be looking after her if you'd asked me would i have chosen that i would have said no like it wasn't it wasn't in and of itself brilliant but i i don't think that's what people mean when they say you Go got to remember writing as a job like writing can be hard writing can have stakes that can be upsetting that can bring you close to feelings of vulnerability and i've talked about this a lot before that make you feel like oh, i'm not good enough that make you feel i've put all this effort in and it's not going to get anywhere you know it can be unpleasant that way there can be those kind of stakes oh this is rubbish oh, i hate this but that's not really i don't think that's what people mean when they say what you've got to remember is writing is a job they don't mean sometimes writing will you'll worry it'll make you worried i don't think they mean sometimes writing will make you feel tired i don't think they mean sometimes writing is going to feel like you don't have the sufficient skill or talent to create the thing in your heart that you really care about I, I think they mean look mate don't get in the into this for love some days you're just going to have to be you, you're going to feel dead inside and you've got to keep going because that's what a job is that's that's what that's how we should approach our work life is a kind of dead-eyed zombie-like forced march no 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 i think that's really unhealthy i think people say that and they get rounds of applause like you know this is this is realism this is how don't no that's a bad way to approach writing or sometimes you've got to just get up and Sometimes you might say to yourself, look, I'm going to give this a go because I think once I get started, it will feel easier. Sometimes you might, you know, I don't not write because I can't be asked. There's always like this slight kind of Protestant work ethic kind of shaming thing underneath that. This idea that, look, you can't just fart about and be lazy. You know, laziness is not quite the word that's said. It's like you can't just swan around in a kimono smoking a cigarette in a black cigarette holder waiting for the muse to strike this idea that it would be pretentious to only write when you cared about it this idea that anyone who doesn't get up and write nine to five doesn't commit to it like that is somehow wants the writing the accoutrements of the writing identity but without actually doing the work in order to do the work i don't re i don't think that's why people don't sit down to write you know I think when people do put the effort in it's because they love it it's the same as kind of like painting a house with care and attention painting a fence and really getting in. you can't I helped paint our fence in the back garden along with my wife and my daughter we all did it together and yet it was a task it wasn't intrinsically expressive but we all did it together out in the back garden and we really enjoyed doing it now we had to like lay down paper we had to clean things up afterwards when there were splats of paint those those parts weren't intrinsically enjoyable but neither did we approach it like we're going to bloody paint the fence like you can you can bring a certain energy and a spirit to things and you can just like when i was holding my daughter and i was able to remind myself when i felt most exhausted And i had my moments of just going oh this is so terrible and feeling really put upon and especially when you're knackered those you, you know your threshold emotionally to starting grumbling about stuff or feeling absolutely defeated or overwhelmed you know is lower but it really helped when i was up and awake and you know trying to feed my daughter in in the night and things like that really helped to go this is precious this is what I signed up for and there'll be a point when this is over and I would do anything to be able to travel back in time and just have this moment of holding her again and being needed it's the same with writing I think the ability when you're lost in a book when you feel like it the project's dead when it feels overwhelming, that ability to go, once I finish this book, the game is over and I can no longer play with it. I can't add to it. I can't play the game of the book anymore. Once I finish, it's you can wish your whole life away when you're writing. But I don't think you'll get through it telling yourself, it's a job. It's a job. Yeah, I just think that's a shitty way of being and I think the writers who say that (laughs) rarely give me the impression that they particularly enjoy (laughs) writing to be honest I know I, I understand okay so taking the position of like what could be the most positive reason for engaging in this with it in this way for saying that I think you know maybe they're trying to do a little bit of expectation management make people not feel like frauds if when they write they don't always feel like they're walking on air that's you know fair enough maybe that's the but I I think that they're phrasing it badly yeah I think it's fine and cool to look to try and be grateful for the right look for the good things in writing and have your motivation be an intrinsic one that comes from not this is a job if you don't write, you won't have money to eat, which I just think piles on stress and sucks all the colour and flavour out of writing, if you're like, it's a job, it's a job, keep going. If you go... Well, I'll tell you what, like, I, 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 part of the reason I'm talking about this and I've got a couple of other topics that I might go on to is I asked on Twitter uh, people to if people had any questions they wanted me to cover, and the first one... Suggestion I got from uh, James Whitman was not an upbeat topic, but what about the pernicious feeling you might have chosen the wrong career when writing so often makes you miserable and you feel like a failure? Uh, He clarifies, open parentheses, not you specifically, like any writer, close parentheses. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any, and I, 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 you know, that's kind of an evergreen topic for me. I've talked about it a lot. In fact, I, you know, I kind of wrote a whole book on that, that, that talks about that in an adjacent way my first non-fiction book we can't all be astronauts about you know in the book you know, i talked about the writing dream the this idea of wanting to become a writer the publishing dream is what i referred to it in in in, in that book so i of wanting to become a writer and get the identity of being a writer and how i'd wanted to do it all my life and then i felt like i might not be able to and i had this Massive breakdown with various other stressful things happening in my life at the same time, and yeah, like I, I think it's it's hard, isn't it? Like when you suddenly look around, if you're basing your sense of identity on being able to write, oh, so so maybe that is one of the. So if you say it's just a job, it's a job. You got to what you got to remember is writing is a job, at least. So the positive side of it, I suppose, is you get to step back and go, this is just my job, it's not me. So if it's a job, you should also take breaks. You can also stop at the end of the day and become someone else and do other things that aren't rightly. And it's not your whole identity. You can have a difficult day at the office and then go, oh, I'm finding it really hard at the moment. Now, what I would say is a lot of people in their jobs do not... (laughs) go through every moment of their job feeling like they're a fraud like they don't know what they're doing at all like 10 years in they don't know any more than they did when they started I think that's it's not unique to writing but I think it's something that a lot of writers feel not all of them Um, but certainly that I feel a lot it's just like I I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing no one ever taught me either. I mean, I did, you know, I did. I did study writing at at university, but I didn't study nonfiction at all. So I've just made that up by looking at other books and then kind of copying them. No one told me how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I write nonfiction. And I go and speak to people for it. I I didn't know what what you know. I what? Well, how do you interview someone? How, how, what? How do you say? to them you know what what are you if you're doing a book how do you if you're not doing the book yet but you're gonna to have to speak to people to write the book are you allowed to just write to someone and say i might write a book one day but i can't promise you can you give me some of your time like how do you do that especially if you've not ever published anything how do you suddenly become a person who's writing a book and start approaching people it's weird right <laughs> Now in terms of like feeling like you might have chosen the wrong career or you know if your writing makes you miserable and you feel like a failure I think one of the things that I don't really touch on in We Can't All Be Astronauts which I said was a book about writing it was really obvious to me when I looked back at it it's like oh this is the book about mental health really like I'm having a breakdown and then I've got really bad depression and I'm not dealing with that or I'm trying to deal with it through the lens of creative writing like if I can just be a good writer then I won't be depressed anymore well yeah maybe I mean finding meaning is an important thing part of anyone's life but also it's like oh Tim you're really sad and confused and you feel buffeted by life it's you know that's not something that you can healthily cure just by doing writing and I wish I'd known that at the time you know I used to when I didn't know oh my gosh I just remember writing books and especially novels and even with my last novel that I wrote and those moments where I thought I didn't know how to resolve a plot problem I'd just feel so anxious and I'd feel like death I'd feel like death. I know it's, it sounds melodramatic, but it's true. I'd go, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you spiral out from that because you're like, well, if I can't resolve this, then I'm not going to be able to finish the book. If I'm not going to be able to finish the book, then I'm not going to be able to get, I'm not going to be able to get it published. I'm not going to be able to get paid. Maybe I'm going to have to, well, do I have to start a new one? How long is that? And then that has to go all right. But even if that goes from beginning to end fine, then how many months am I going to be set back before I get paid? And then but people won't take me seriously because this book hasn't come out and then there's going to have been a gap and you know does that mean that will anyone want to read me anymore will anyone agree to publish me is this my career over you know your heart my heart's just my chest is tightening just thinking about it and going through those scenarios right And, and that's constant whenever you meet a problem if you're not able to put it in a slightly larger context and and you know I just think a lot of writers put out bad books as their career goes on <laughs> I think a lot of writers are kind of happy putting out mediocre content because they don't you know because if you kind of go oh, it's, it's a job it's a job then may, and maybe that's healthy maybe you find you write a series of books all about the same characters and you find a formula and then you just churn them out and you have enough of an audience to and you keep going back to the same things and you keep going back to the same things and you don't push yourself formally you just find your thing your trick and you do it again and again and again maybe that's fine you know I don't know maybe finding a voice and then just being happy with that and working on it maybe that's fine but then do you go through that feeling trapped do you go through that whole period that whole Business feeling like oh maybe I'm a fraud and I can only do this one thing. I don't know what that's like because I've never been able to. I, I've not been able to even start it by having finding a voice that I can then repeat. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't even. I sounded like I was being terribly withering then, but it's it's a trick I'd love to be able to do. And I'm actually amazed when and so impressed when writers can write to. I and I don't mean this as a slight, but to a formula. You know they can write within a genre and perfectly meet the expectations of that genre and write to that audience in a way that the audience go hey I love this that's so great and it's such a skill and I can't do it I cannot do it at the moment and I'd love to be able to do that imagine how much fun you'd have you know writing something pretty tropey but I thought you know when I started writing my, this book that I'm working on on the podcast that if I wrote something tropey that would make it fun and easy but it's not necessarily for me you know i'm going to keep going with it but uh, right you know maybe writing is you know an author is someone who finds writing harder than other people that's what our definition is i don't know i don't i think some people don't i think some people can sit down and they can write and they and some people on twitter you know talk about they're writing a scene and they've done 2500 words or whatever and they'll include bits from the work in progress and they seem delighted by what they're writing and it's not clear to me that they necessarily edit very much afterwards and i can't do that and i can't produce stuff that feels good to me having said that i've got this non-fiction book coming out and i'm pretty happy with it so i think there's times when we're particularly vulnerable to this feeling of like feeling downbeat and not being sure about what we're writing i think it's probably healthy to have try and find a writing community to share your work with i think it's probably healthy to push through periods of doubt which aren't isn't the same as going it's a job you've got to keep going it's more like Having written 500 words that you then throw away is better than having spent that time worrying about what you're going to write. It's always better, I think, to produce something even if you throw it away. I, th- I think that stuff just ends up mulching in a way that produces stuff. You know, when I was writing this nonfiction book, I wrote so many I wrote so much that I cut, but I think I needed to to find the stuff that's there. And if you told me while I was writing, essentially I've cut a entire book's worth of stuff. You know, in terms of word length, I've cut a medium-sized novel's worth of word at, words out of it. And I know that because I saw the beginning and end of the word count. I think if you'd told me while I was writing it, all the days and days I spent writing that, this is, you know, you're going to cut this, I would have probably felt downhearted. But what's left is really good, I think. And I'm able to say that with sort of out arrogance, I think, because I've worked on it really hard is that sustainable career-wise I don't know because it takes me a long time to write stuff but I I don't I think the wrong career is something that makes you that feels meaningless to you you can work on being kinder to yourself and it is hard and I think also like being harsh on ourselves is often a misguided erroneous tactic to make us work better and help regulate our Ability, you know, you go, you're crap. And you're trying to protect yourself, really. You're going to go, you're bad at this. You're bad at this. Give up. Stop. And we doubt our ability to benefit later down the line. And it's a form of self protection, right? Because if I doubt my ability to see this through, if I think later down the line it's not going to pay off, it is rational not to put the effort in now, right? Why struggle through writing today for an hour, two hours, five hours, eight hours when I'm gonna produce work I'm not happy with and ultimately I'm not gonna it's not gonna get published? Why not stop now and not only is it gonna end up with the same result, a book not being published, but I'm actually gonna be able to save myself the pain now. So that's the rational self-protection kind of like it's your ability to care about and love yourself isn't it we go all the self-critic oh i'm so harsh on myself oh i feel miserable you're kind of actually experiencing worry and self-concern and those are all really positive things and maybe you're looking at your work with a critical eye great but the first thing we have to do is get some words on the page and often i'll write something i'll be writing it going i just feel this is pants I'll produce it. And then I'll be going, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. And then I go back to it and I go, actually, I don't like it. But now I've got a new idea of how I could approach this scene. Why should it be that you get things right first time? Why shouldn't you have to write a scene five different ways? You know, are you prepared to be a writer, even if it's harder for you than some other writers appear to make it for themselves? Are you prepared to be a writer or to write, you know, because being a writer is an identity. Write is just a an action that we can all do whether we consider ourselves uh, worthy of the identity or not are you prepared to write if sometimes it's a struggle are you prepared to write if maybe sometimes you do it and it's not as good as some of the stuff that other people produce would you still be invested in it and I think then you have to ask that because then it becomes more important well what am I writing about if you're writing something because you think it's what other people want to read, because you've looked at the market and gone, well, I think I need to write about, I need to write X, I need to write a crime drama, because I don't particularly love crime dramas myself, but I feel that like that's where the money is, or that's where what people like. Then when you hit those kind of low bits where you go, I don't know if I can do this, There's there's nothing in it for you unless you get that end goal. Whereas if you're writing something because you go, Like i care about this i care about what happens to these characters or i care about this subject maybe then it's a little bit different i don't know it's i know acutely that it's not enough to say to someone well i can't promise you that you'll be published but you know is your heart in it because there's some people genuinely feel passionate about something and then it connects with an audience as well, and that's the dream really, because then the thing, and how validating must that be for the thing that was in your heart that was so most important to you to have other people go, yeah I care about this, I get this, this is me, that must feel really important, but sometimes the thing that your heart says you have to make or do or create doesn't necessarily chime with other people, you know, I, I feel very much for authors who write very kind of literary works and then get pilloried for being pretentious or show-offs. And maybe what they were doing was something that they really care about. You know, did it not occur to you that this might be a passion project and that might be their equivalent of... It's something deep in their heart. And they made it like that because it didn't exist and because it speaks to them in a way that, you know, a commercial thriller doesn't and they're not doing it to show off and they're not doing it to be snobs they're doing it because they kind of read a lot of books and felt very lonely because they didn't resonate with them and that's hard it's hard when the art you want to make not only isn't understood by a lot of people but actually is perceived by people when you make it like you're just doing it to be a dick Like you're doing it to be highbrow, like you're doing it to be snooty, like you're doing it because you think you're so much better than other people. Well, do you, or maybe, are you doing it because it doesn't exist and because you needed it at some level? And that's maybe some of the stuff, you know, when you think you've chosen the wrong career, well, what, what would you be doing with your life? If not this, then what? And would that feel that much better? You know, we, we get this one life. What, what exactly would you be doing instead? I'd, I'd love to know. Because writing is hard, but so is life. But we get to take the difficult bits and we get to give them back to the text. It's difficult for me and it's been rough sometimes when I create something in this very idealistic mode of like, I'm just talking about my feelings. I'm just doing something that I really needed to do. And then it has to go into an industry. And I think like in terms of industries, like publishing is is not some kind of soulless sausage factory. Like loads of people in it are really idealistic. Loads of people are trying to be sensitive and put books out. Like Like any industry, it's not perfect. And there's lots of ways, different parts of it could be improved and there are individual people in it who don't necessarily do the best job like any industry and and any profession and there are some systemic problems it has particularly with representation and diversity that it it, it, str- it struggles with and I think is going to be struggling with for a long time and maybe doesn't struggle with as hard as it should in fact i think certainly in lots of lots of ways there's there's not you know there's more pressure being applied now but not a lot but there's no reason why that whole industry should be set up to cater to the thing that i wanted to make because i felt like i wanted to the story i felt like i had to tell or wanted to tell or cared about or the thing that made me go oh god i love this thing there's no reason why it should be set up to cater to that and it's no reason that people that I interact with in it should you know be trying to coach me through the feelings that that brings up um and a lot but yet a lot of them do like a lot of people are incredibly sensitive and really try to imagine uh, uh, you know over the years I've tried to manage my emotional welfare as well as producing something that creates enough revenue for everyone in the process to get paid so you know I want to say like generally my opinion of the industry or at least the parts of it that I've interacted with has been unreasonably good you know because why should why should anyone care you know why shouldn't I just be producing the things I produce for me and allowing other people to help so you know if it makes you feel like a failure those days when writing might make you feel like a failure it's almost because you're comparing yourself to some idea of what a writer is and what a writer does and that is generally put together based on a kind of amalgamation of other authors curated self-reported experience of what it is to be a writer and I have to say, I don't have to say this at all. Actually, I could shut up, so I won't say it because it's not very kind. <laughs> because I was just about to be really judgmental, and I think that probably comes from a place about other some other authors without naming any. And I think that probably comes from a, a place of vulnerability, right? I don't think I would feel that if it didn't, at some level, strike you know hit a sore spot with me when I feel like I often can't write what I feel like I want to write because. I get paralysed with worry. I, you know, I'm trying to, I've been spending a week putting off writing down some summaries of the books, a, a couple of books that I might want to write next so I can show them to a few select people and say, which of these do you think is the one that I should go for? You know, which one do you think is, should I develop a bit to see if anyone would be interested in it? And I feel you know I feel sort of sweaty palmed with not in a not in a pervert way just in a a way of feeling like I I feel vulnerable I don't feel like I, I feel the least like a writer when I'm writing a lot of the time not always sometimes I, I'm writing and it's coming out and I'm like yeah this is it you know and often but that's never at the beginning that's never it's like when I used to do 60 hours a week working in the pub split shifts, very tired. But going in on Monday morning to do line cleaning where you, you're like essentially pumping soap through the different beer taps and you have to pump it all the way through and then and then you flush it with water and then finally you can start pumping the beer through and you pump out the last of it. The and then you get the beginning of the beer barrel, which is always gross, and then finally you're getting actual ale coming through or lager and and i feel like that's a a very bad simile because i could have just talked about priming the pump uh you know when you have a water pump and you pump it a few times to get the gloop out of it that's been sitting in the pump before you get fresh water but it's the same sort of thing with writing that you have to sit down and do a certain amount of pump priming where you just you just you just pass all this loop that isn't right but helps you range find for the stuff you want to be writing and if you're doing that as part of a group you generally feel better about it i, th- I think it's why it's just easier to be a, a, to write when you go on a writing course or something because there's no pressure to be being a professional there you are just responding to kind of arbitrary workshop prompts and you always know that the stuff you're writing isn't for a project, so you just feel a bit freer. I think, in my opinion, in my experience, so that's what I—that's my answer to that. Anyways, I, I think, which isn't very much of an answer at all, really. Except, I'm sorry to anyone who who's go goes through the times of feeling miserable and crappy and like a failure when they write. I think it's, I think it's kind of quite exciting when a uh, work brings you up against those feelings I think they're feelings not to be totally afraid of it's like when I I always think I'm going to go and enjoy a run and then when I do a long distance one my legs sting as lactic acid builds up I feel bored sometimes but I feel great for having done it and being with those feelings and lasting them out means in future runs I can go even further before they start to kick in like there's an adaptation response i think if you can stay with those feelings of failure and see them as a sign that you're kind of pushing yourself a little bit then often you feel great afterwards but the word you know if they're stopping you from starting writing then you can just uh, commit to doing 200 words you know say i'm going to write 200 words sit down write 200 words stop then at least you, you know you tricked yourself into starting um there's a similar question uh uh by someone asked which this is not strictly writing but something that can totally stop you from getting words on the page or doing anything with them once they are there imposter syndrome i suppose that's kind of similar isn't it you know do you feel like you've chosen the wrong career imposter syndrome i think impo- imposter syndrome again when you're writing is, is really to do with this false idea of writing as an identity rather than a process i think a lot of people who see themselves as writers that they consider themselves very writerly, often don't produce that's what i i just think a lot of i just think sometimes there were authors who seem to have absolutely no problem with churning out words And when I read what they write, I think, well, yeah, because you don't appear to have a filter and this isn't very good. Like, I'm not surprised this was easy to write because there's not a lot of originality or skill or depth in it. And that is me being really nasty. And I I think it, look, I think I'm talking nonsense possibly in that one, a lot of writers don't really... That's not what they're primarily interested in. Two, there are different types of writing. Not all writing is for me. Not all writing is supposed to be about deathless prose. Some of it's just about writing something that grips the reader and keeps them moving through a story. It doesn't really matter. The words are kind of not there to be perfect. And the, the characters aren't necessarily supposed to be particularly new either. It's just, it's just supposed to be fun. And I know I'm coming from a place of vulnerability because I'd love to be able to sit down and go, I'm going to write some adventures today. And they just poured out of me and they don't. And I find that hard. So and then I go, I'm an imposter. I'm not a real writer. These people are other people who seem to be able to go. Here's my book. And then six months later, here's my new book. And you go, "How, how are you writing a book every six months? How are you doing that? How do you have an idea and sit down and write it and then you finish it and it, and you execute it as you pl- wanted it to go? How are you doing that? That makes me feel vulnerable, you know, because I'm comparing myself. Inevitably, I compare myself to the absolute... Because the writers who are producing the most are always... The, it's uh, There's availability bias here, right? Because the writers who produce the most and the writers who produce the best and the writers who produce are most successful are the ones who are most visible because they get the most publicity... And they get the most readers raving about their work. So you see them more. So your impression of the world is often that writers are incredibly successful geniuses all the time. Because those are the writers that we see the most of. And that's not necessarily true. I say necessarily. I don't even need to hedge with necessarily, do I? Like, it's definitely not true. Now... I just think... I've said this loads of times on the podcast, but I think writing you think of yourself as a writer that gives you a constrained sense of your own humanity i I don't want to be a a, 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 god i can't think of any just imagine just imagine turning up to someone's house or to a party or to a gathering i bet i've done i I know i've done this when i've gone home for christmas as well and i've seen like my parents friends who i haven't seen for a while or something like that i know sometimes i you know at a wedding where i don't know people and it's again it's like a It's an insecurity thing. But imagine going somewhere and the chief identity that you convey is author. Maybe permissible at a book reading or on a panel. Or maybe when you're teaching a workshop, you know, you want to give a little bit of that sense of authority. Maybe inhabiting that identity briefly doesn't make you look like a Burke. But if you were, if you were, you know, if you don't have a sense of imposter syndrome, if you don't think I'm not a writer, because I sometimes struggle, because I've got other things that I need to be getting on with, because sometimes I don't care. What a one dimensional, boring human being you would be if you so had climbed inside the clown suit and zipped it up behind you that you just became an author. I'm the author. Look, I'm sitting down to write now because that's what I do, because I'm an author. Look at me writing, the words flowing out of me. I'm, you know, a lot of our sense of what an author is like is to do with people we see at book readings which is, you know, I haven't been to that many, I suppose, but, like, I've been to a few just because of what I do, which is when they're being their most authorly. But they're not actually writing, by the way. They're not actually doing the job. They're talking about doing it. So that uh, immediately our sense of what an author is is skewed. And then, two, just, like, all the shit portrayals of authors in TV and movies, which is nothing like being an author. Like, there is not a single one that's got that anywhere near right because the real job is boring. You just sit and write. That's it. That's it. It's not talking, that's not it's not talking about writing isn't part of it. You answer some emails sometimes, that's it. You just sit and do the work. That's it. But we're never I mean, I don't write with someone else in the room with me. I'm assuming the same. But I have occasionally when I get you know, when I write with my friends and stuff, when that used to be a thing we'd allow allowed to do, and hopefully in the future that will be something that we can do again. But most of the time, no one's watching me when I'm writing. And I think that's true of almost every writer. So the actual process of being an author, the meat and potatoes of it, is invisible to everyone. Only the end product is visible. So we have a completely skewed sense of what it is. I would be very worried if you do not have imposter syndrome as, a, as a, when you write. Because it means you've completely merged with the, with the with the identity of being a writer, and you are probably in some level of delusion. I just oh I gosh it it me, it's so worthwhile just treating any creative project like a kind of skive, like a mucking around. Like it's so much easier to write when you treat it like mischief. When you feel a bit like a silly child, when you feel like you're getting away with something, when you play, that's... I mean, those are the books I want to read. I want to to read non-fiction by someone who got in over their head, by someone who started to write a book about a subject, and it changed them. And they felt that several times, I don't know what I'm doing, gosh, and they pursued something and they discovered things or i want to read nonfiction by someone who loves the subject who would probably just want if i want to talk about it if i sat next to them on a plane who would say to me i'd say oh i see you're doing i don't know they're doing some maths or something i, th- I would never start a conversation with someone saying i see you're doing some equations or oh sums fan are you i can't think of how that conversation was but, but and they just went and they just went to me yeah, and I can you explain it? Because I really struggle with maths, and they go, yeah, so this, this, and this, and blah, 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 and they talk about it, and they love it, or they want to talk about they have some Madagascan hissing cockroaches, and they and they want to talk about them. Uh, that sounds slightly sinister, but I thought it would be good if I had a specific example and something a bit left field, so I chose Madagascan hiss, hissing cockroaches, because cockroaches on their own sound gross. Madagascan hissing cockroaches and also because that sounds like a plausible thing that could be a real animal it is and so it sounds like I've got some kind of knowledge of Madagascan hissing cockroaches I don't um, but I did once speak to a guy who was really enthusiastic about Madagascan hissing cockroaches he, he, he took them into schools um, to talk about them he took by invitation he didn't just go into schools with a Tupperware full of Madagascan hissing cockroaches and release them he wasn't a weird terrorist he just liked them and he liked talking about insects. Anyway, the point being, like, those are the stuff I want to read. I want to read a book that feels like mischief. I don't want to read a book that feels like someone got a commission to write something. I fuck, I've read nonfiction that is just so dead and workmanlike. That feels like the second book in a three-book deal. That feels like someone's like pitched something but didn't really have anything left to say oh my god it's just like death oh no if you're writing a novel and you write it because you just care about the subject so much If you write about it because no one else cares about it like you do you don't have to be obsessed you write about it because you just wanna write these funny stories. You wanna write a detective story because you love mysteries. And you're trying to write the book that you wanted to read. That I care about. What I don't care about is you writing book four of six in a I don't know, an epic fantasy series that you pitched a while back and you've lost interest in these characters and you want you'd rather much rather be writing something else, but you've got to see it through. i I don't want to read that book it's not making you happy it's not going to make me happy either i don't care be an imposter by all means but i i think there's something to be said for feeling like a child and owning that you know and saying i feel nervous i don't know what i'm doing you can when you're able to accept those things i think you can understand that they're part of a healthy reaction to these things and actually they sometimes they pass on or sometimes they feed back into the project in a way that you can just go, oh yeah, of course I feel like this. And there's not a problem because sometimes there's two problems with a feeling. There's the pain of the feeling itself but then there's also the second thing, the pain of not wanting to feel that feeling and I think that second pain is one that we can sometimes spare ourselves by not fighting it. Be an imposter. Be anything but a writer. God, I remember when I married my wife and I saw myself in the mirror before, headed to the church, dressed in a suit. I felt like such a 11-year-old boy. I felt so... I wasn't an 11-year-old boy. This was only a few years ago. Um, in case, you know, I didn't have... I wasn't, it wasn't a child marriage. I was of age but i felt like an imposter then i didn't feel grown up but actually that's the thing that can connect you with other human beings realizing that in to a certain extent we're all just babies who who got long who survived and who are enacting the rituals that were put in place by the people who came before us you know we're being writers mainly because this is a role a position that was invented by other people who lived long before we were alive and now we're grown-ups we get to say what a writer is and what a writer does and how a writer feels and if you are writing then yeah people say if you write you're a writer well I just don't I just think the idea of it as a kind of global identity is bollocks I wouldn't really worry about don't be a writer but if you're writing you certainly get you don't have to constantly be sort of pattern matching your feelings against a kind of invented sense of what a writer is and does and feels you you have the you have the moral right to just say how you feel and to own that yourself and to write what you want and look i cannot say anything about so um uh Kirsty asked uh, what's going to happen in publishing stroke writing post pandemic like what's going to happen what's going to be popular how are we going to tackle this in our writing the world is different and so writing must inevitably be too question mark I'd love your take on what's next now this is an area that I know fuck all about I've never correctly um I've never correctly anticipated a trend in publishing I just don't it's just so wild what takes off and what doesn't there's a a, a, an episode i would recommend you listen to is my chat with chris mccrudden who's an author but he also does great deep dives on twitter into publishing trends and what's selling and who's buying what and he looks at stats and things like that and he's just much more switched on about it than me and he he said that he feels like publishing is tactical not strategic so the distinction there i'm not sure it's used by everyone in this way but it's how i've come to think of the difference between strategy and tactic strategy is something that you strategy is a a plan that you assemble in advance a way of how you're going to engage with stuff and then you enact it in response to things whereas tactics are responses to things that happen in the world so and he he said yes it's tactical not strategic so A book on outdoor cooking does really, really well. Formal publishers will say, there's a demand for outdoor cooking books. We're going to commission them. Uh, A book on true crime in Northern Britain does really well. Four other publishers commission books on true crime in Northern Britain because they can see this is going to be a trend. And sometimes it is. You know, sometimes these things do take off and... Uh, so often and then and then there will just be these random books i do i mean i think there is some strategy in terms of a lot of publishers do are now pushing their resources into smaller and smaller numbers of books and which makes sense for them it's just crappy for for writers and so they'll push all their resources into big acquisitions like six and i think you're going to see I think i can say without any doubt that you're going to see plenty of a continuation of what we've already seen which is big acquisitions of six and seven figure books that i think especially with like richard osmond's um the what's it called the thursday night murder club or whatever it was called um them acquiring books by people who've already got a platform in another area and and the same has been true of like david walliams and uh and david baddeley as well who you know went from tv presenting to well they still do some tv presenting into books and their market share in children's books has just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown uh, i think from a publisher's point of view it makes sense to do to to invest in that way because whether you sell loads of copies of just one book or multiple copies or the same number of copies of multiple books, it's obviously going to be cheaper just to put all your resources into one book. More risky, maybe. And maybe we'll see, you know, some gigantic failures. But I feel like those big advances and sometimes super super advanced, they, they have like lead titles and now they talk about super leads, which have massive amounts of uh massive amounts of um marketing money thrown into them and buzz is created i think you'll continue to see see that trend happening uh just as publishers get consolidated as well now there's a whole other side to writing which is the indie market um and kindle you know amazon kind of like eating up that market as well and, and authors having huge sales on there now there were only a tiny number of the you know there's a huge number of books out there and then a few authors have been doing very well and then most aren't doing very well at all i um, in that market i think you'll continue to see this kind of parallel kind of shadow world of books where there's a bunch of authors who write for kindle who are, have got massive readerships who are unknown in in trad publishing. And then there'll be people in trad publishing who are publishing loads and then aren't necessarily read that much by that indie book audience. And I find that very odd, those two worlds pulling apart. But as Kindle kind of starts taking on a lot of the kind of crime and maybe romance readers, then maybe there's less... There's a less obvious space for that in trad publishing and and maybe you'll see more specialisation. I don't know, to be honest. I hope that there's still space for weird books. I hope that bricks and mortar bookshops see an explosion because I think indie bookshops... Now I'm using indie in the other sense of independent bookshops. And um, and places like Waterstones, I think that they're so important, especially for authors like me, basically. That's how people learn about books like mine it's not going to ever be through amazon it's not going to ever be through having huge numbers of reviews it's never going to be through having loads of marketing money behind me it's always going to be through people in bookshops caring about what i write and pressing it into people's hands that's 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 it's going to be word of mouth that's the only way i don't i mean you know and i think there's loads of authors um for whom that's true so Has the pandemic, you know, will writing post-pandemic have changed us? I think there'll be a a rash of shitty books um, (laughs) that are pandemic diaries. And one or two will be good enough to distinguish themselves. But I think there'll be a glut of those. And I think a lot of publishers will be trying to get away from them. Because everything will be about that. And it's like, how much do people want to read? Uh, uh, on that subject i i hope that we'll continue to see some really really good non-fiction books coming out that um on different you know you you, who knows what the next like non-fiction trend will be because there was i'll tell you what has always what always does really 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 well what publishers are always what at least have been for the last 25 years really interested in and they do they often get, like, a if, if, it, if it works well, then there'll be, like, a little bidding war for it or something. It's somebody's debut novel that is um, a voice-led novel. So it's a first-person narrator who is in some way an outsider. Um, so there's something different about them that makes them a slightly outside voice. Uh, and it's kind of a maybe sort of middle-brow stroke literary. So it's... Um, it, it, it's maybe it's intellectual but maybe not too uh not too experimental but it has a it has an interesting different voice the narrator is someone who's interesting so even if it's not hugely plot driven there's some kind of gimmick or something different about that person those voice-driven novels ever since i guess uh um, what was it called the, ca- the- case of the dog at night time or oh my God, Tim I just you can feel the moment where the coffee just ran out, can't you? my goodness me <laughs> <laughs> sorry I can't rem- i can- don't believe I can't remember the name of that book anyway, that was I feel like the first one that there's lim- them been lots of books that d- don't in any way. Uh, crib from it or I don't think the authors maybe had even read it but um but but that's become a kind of that's become a kind of publishing staple and I think that will continue and I, I, I think the, the, the diff the tricky thing is I think for all the talk of diversity in publishing I think there's still a polarization of resources around primarily white middle class to upper middle class primarily male authors who are already millionaires and are in some way a celebrity i i I think publishing has got a long way to go in a lot of areas as well you know it's still an upper middle class pursuit largely although not in all genres and and so that that's what i think I, i don't think the pandemic is going to make fuck all difference i think uh publishing had a good year under the pandemic to be honest um but amazon is certainly continuing its stranglehold that's accelerating um indie bookshops did pretty well surprisingly well but um but i do think that waterstones really struggled uh and i hope that there's a bounce back that those bookshops up and down the british isles and in other countries as well see lots of foot traffic um obviously safe foot traffic socially distanced foot traffic but i think i hope that they see a lot of shell foot traffic because they're part of you know the book industry is only healthy with those it's difficult like look i also think that like in newspapers we're coming to the end of book reviews being uh, viable in those i think nobody really reads them and literary sections and stuff as newspapers get more and more cuts there's definitely going to be a shift in power towards book bloggers and book review sites and i think book tiktok is going to be very good if you're writing commercial fiction and genre fiction uh, engaging in that way it, it's going to be for certain types of book it's going to be super great probably for the kind of thing i'm i i write it's not going to be so useful because i'm i'm never going to be particularly good at tiktoking uh and i can feel myself aging as i say that out loud but also um i I think it's really really good for people to share books that they're passionate about i think uh sort of romance um commercial science fiction and and fantasy that has strong characters and plot lines that people can care about i think it's gonna be great for i think it's gonna be great for um crime fiction and i think youtube to a certain extent is really good for that as well i think it's not going to be great for litfic i just don't it's not it's not going to be a, a as just as um twitter and facebook are not particularly great for sharing those kinds of books so that's what i think overall um having said that i don't know anything about it i've just managed to monologue about it at length um and, and finally i did, uh ben van der veld said um endings how do you tie disparate threads together to form a a cohesive conclusion approaches for rewriting whole sections without disrupting the rest of the novel and polishing when do you decide to stop and let go i think that you need that when you're getting to that point you need an editor or you need a second reader i think you just cannot Approaches for rewriting whole sections without disrupting the rest of the novel uh, uh, and then opening brackets or coping with it when you do impact the rest, close brackets. I think it has to be the latter, otherwise you'll just... I've read books where clearly something has been flagged by a reader saying, why doesn't the character do this? And the character will think he could just run. There'd be no way they could stop him. But no, he, he would probably be caught. He had to face his captain. And you're just like, fuck that. I feel like come on i think you have to disrupt the rest of the novel probably if you're not just going to write something a bit crap and i think it just takes time coping with it keep um keep copies of the original drafts so that you can so that they're still there i think what i always do is i start a new file i resave it under a new name so I've, and then you can make big cuts I'd also say, like, I often paint up the cuts before I make them. So I just use the, like, highlighting tool to highlight whole sections in yellow without actually deleting it. And I go through and I just double check. So I get a sense of everything and then I can go back later and I can cut them. And I feel splitting them into painting a target on something and then pressing the delete button later on makes it easier to be tough with myself. Okay, I think that's enough from, from me for now. That was a long ramble. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the show and you want to um, help support me, you can go onto my coffee page, that's uh, ko fi.com forward slash Tim Clare, and drop me a few beans. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.